All right. Well, good morning. We're so glad you guys are here with us. It's a beautiful day. You could be a million other places, and yet you're here with us. So we're so grateful for that. We already had a great uh, first service, and so if you're here in person or tuning in online or watching this later or listening to the podcast later, we're so glad you took some time to spend with us today on this beautiful day. And it's summer. Uh, it's, summer is almost over. My wife is a counselor at an elementary school, and she is like, this is the worst because it's already almost over. And so hopefully you guys are squeezing in a few more moments of happiness and celebration before summer Ends. And so a couple of announcements before we get started. Uh, we announced last week, we told a lot of you guys that the Wingfellows were supposed to be coming back yesterday. Um, and due to some unforeseen circumstances, they are not able to leave Africa yet. And so if you don't know our normal worship pastor, uh, he is over in Malawi, Africa. They are adopting uh, a, a, their daughter Lola and then bringing back Joseph with them. And they had some uh, issues that came up. And so they will be there for at least a few more weeks and so if you want to be praying for them, because I know they're eager to get back and to return, but as of right now, they are not able to do that. And so make sure that you guys are praying for them. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, they'll be coming back to America. And then hopefully for too long, we'll see Nathan back here on the stage. So I'll be praying for the Wingfeld return. The other thing is small groups. We talked about it a little bit last week with Chad, kind of as we intro and stuff, because I knew he was talking about uh, small groups. So we have small groups Groups of people that meet once a month or once every other week, get together, share a meal, hang out. Um, we, we had this whole launch of small groups uh, last year, and then COVID hit, and you weren't allowed to see anybody. And we were like, well, we can't do that now. And so we're going to relaunch those into the fall. I know a lot of people are intimidated by that because you don't want to be around people. But I'm telling you, it's awesome. Uh, it's a good time to get to know people, to be around some people, meet some people. Uh, we think that you should have friends at church, believe it or not, uh, that you should have community here. And so that will be coming up. Now, I know some of you are intimidated by small groups again, and also because of time constraints. I know fall's about to start, and soccer, and football, and baseball, and cheerleading, and everything else you make your kids do. So, uh, or you should choose to do most of you make them. But anyway, uh, it was a joke. But anyway, um, so uh, that we will make sure and work around all those time constraints as well. A bunch of new stuff coming up. Make sure that you download the app. It's the best way to stay connected. Fall's getting ready to hit, so people are going to start coming back, and we're going to be launching all kinds of new things. We announced Fall Fest is back this year um, as well, and so make sure and mark that on the calendar as you hear more information about that. Now, if you're new again, we're glad you're here. Stop by the Welcome Center and get a gift. Even if we never see your face again, we're so glad you're here with us today and want to give you a gift for being here with us. Now, this week, uh, we are going to start a series that we're going to take for the next four weeks. And Chad did an amazing job the last couple of weeks, and we love having Chad uh, in here. Chad, honestly, and I don't say it because he's just here, he, he's, he's a good friend of mine, and he is one of the best thinkers dads, pastors that I know, and so I'm always excited to bring him back in here and listen to him. Um, but I will be honest, what Chad brought us last couple weeks was pretty heavy, right? I mean, it was, it was very thought-provoking, but heavy stuff. And so I was like, well, I want to kind of go on the opposite side of that, and so I'm going to talk about joy today. Now, my thought was that if I talk about joy, um, I don't want to be a hypocrite, and so I need to take some time and be a joyful person. And if you know me, um, and my wife's in the room, so I can't lie about this, but um, if you know me, um, I tend to be a little bit cynical. Um, I can be a little bit pessimistic. Um, I, I can tend to maybe overanalyze some things. Um, and, and so, uh, but I was like, well, I can't do that because I have to be like a joyful person. And so I told myself, I think it was on Tuesday, I'm going to be a joyful person every day the rest of the week leading up to Sunday so I can stand before you on Sunday and be like... I was great this week. I'm a joyful person. So should you. 
And then it's like, as soon as I said those words to the world, the world was like, we're just going to crap on you all week long and see how joyful you really are. And it has been a rough week personally, organizationally. Uh, We've had several people here at Journey um, that are connected to our church that have had just tragedies in their lives and in their families. Um, we, we actually had a funeral, I had to go to a funeral home for a family that comes here that are friends and do a, a lot for our church. And so it's been a hard week, right? And so it's like the moment I say I'm going to be joyful, um, everything just kind of comes against me. You ever had those times where you're like, I'm going to be this, and then all of a sudden everything just comes against you? And, and so um, as we talk about joy, there are some thoughts that come to my mind because I do. I want to be more optimistic. I want to be uh, more joyful. Um, I don't want to seem so grumpy all the time. And so, as my kids like to say, and so uh, the questions I asked are this, where does joy come from? Um, if we want to be people of joy, where does joy actually come from it? Is it something we can have access to? And then how do we hold on to it? Because it's one thing if we choose to be joyful, like at Christmas time, because everybody is, or we say we are. It, it's another thing if when every day and reality hits and everything's going against us, is joy something we can access and actually hold on to? Now, to start this, I want to tell you about an old story. It's a story you're all familiar with. It's a story that normally we wouldn't be um, talking about for about six more months, but it is the story of the good news of Jesus coming to the earth. And this story is an amazing one. In fact, the reason you're here is because this story is so amazing. If this story wasn't so amazing, you would not be here. And essentially the story is, is that man and God have been in this community with each other since the beginning. We were created by God. Everything was kind of put together by him. And then there's conflict that comes in. The conflict is our sin. It's our choices. It's the way we treat each other. Human beings, we are amazing creatures, right? And so all of this chaos comes out of this. And we see in the Old Testament these glimpses of where God comes down into our world, speaks to us, offers us things, gives us prophets and sages and poets who kind of speak on behalf of God and educate us about how God wants to be in a relationship with us. And it's good, but it's not complete. And so the story that we see is where God actually comes here and lives among us. And it's an amazing story. And the way the story starts, and you're familiar with this, is in Luke chapter 2. Um, it's the famous thing that Linus does in, in Snoopy Christmas, if you're not familiar with it, is this. He says, that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. Now, we, we talk about this a lot. I'm a big history guy. But the world that we see here, um, we often think, because we live in it now, the world's as bad as it's ever been. Okay? That's not just simply not true. The context in which these shepherds are out in the field, the world is ruled by Rome. Rome is probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, superpower to ever rule the world. And the way that they rule the world is, if you're familiar with it, it's called Pax Romana, which is the peace of Rome. And it was peaceful for Rome. It was chaos for everybody else. It was a world filled with destruction and fear and heartache and taking what doesn't belong to you and making people obey you and do all of these things. There wasn't a lot of free world in Pax Romana, okay? And and so one of the things that happened is they're out here, there's these shepherds, they're in a field, they're guarding these flocks of sheep, and it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. And you would be too. A lot of times people are like, I wish God would speak to me, or I wish an angel would come. You do not. I can promise you both of those things, okay? If you hear the voice of God, you will be freaked out. And if an angel appears to you, you will probably need to change clothes. And so 
they are here, they're out in the field, there's these young kids, they're terrified, and it says this, that the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. And we've talked about this before, but did you know that in the old and new, and there's different variations of this idea, the words don't be afraid, the words fear not, you know, this is one of the most commonly used phrases in the Bible. It's the acknowledgement that there are things in this world that if we focus on them can cause us fear. There are things that possibly we should be afraid of. But here's this angel announcing, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all the people. And so the announcement is, is that something is coming into the world that makes this point that because this thing is here, fear has to go. That because joy has entered the situation, fear has to go. And there's these shepherd boys, and they're out in the field, and they live this really hard life, and it's somewhat scary. And the central message of these angels is, listen, yeah, I get it. Life is hard, but there's this new thing that's coming to the world. And this is about joy. And because joy is here, fear has to leave. Now, it's this interesting idea, this, when we think about it, that something greater has come into the world than fear. Most of us, when we make choices and decisions, we're motivated by fear. But yet, this is a new way, a new way of thinking that we can be guided by joy. Now, th- this is a new idea for them, but it's not a new idea overall. And so I wanted to start a discussion on joy that we're all going to have together, and hopefully we'll have better weeks, right? So in Psalm 28, David is writing. And if you're not familiar with the Psalms, the Psalms is this collection of, of, of kind of short poems and stories and songs, and they would often recite these like as worship songs. And the, the, the assumption is that most of it's written by David, but actually very little of it's written by David. But this one specifically is a psalm that's written by David, is in David and Goliath, is in King David. And in this, he says this, Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield, and my heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. Now, a couple of observations. The first one is this. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry of mercy. I would be willing to bet that most of us in this room, if we just had the assurance that God actually heard us, that would be enough, right? That when we we cry out, when we say these things, when we're in these seasons of mourning or these seasons of heartache, that when we cry out that God actually hears us. And according to the psalmist, that not only does, does God hear him, but God responds, and he has his strength and his shield, and his heart trusts in him, and he helps him along the way. And then he says, my heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. Now, I'll be 40 years old this year, and I will be honest with you, um, and maybe it's because I'm a guy and I'm not as in touch with my emotions as I should be, okay? Um, I can't tell you a time that my heart leaped for joy, Right? Okay, um, I, that, that's not like a common thing for me, right? Um, if my heart leaps for joy, I probably need to go to the hospital, right? That's why we buy response. But but the psalmist is using imagery here, and it's this idea that something fills you so much that you have like this physical response to it, right? I am I am you know not a dancer. Um, I can go to a place, and my first response is never I should start moving my body. Okay, some of you, that's your first response. My wife is definitely one of those people. Um, But this is this idea that something happens and your body just has to 
respond to it, that your heart leaps. And maybe what he's talking about that I can relate to is this, that even in the midst of heartache and a hard life that we live, there are moments, there are glimpses in life where we realize, and I love this phrase, that it's going to be okay even when it's not. Does that make sense? That you have like this realization that, yeah, okay, life is hard and it's tough, but it's actually going to be okay. And it's like when the angels come and talk about this idea of fear versus joy, it's like there's these opposing things. And it's like this idea of you have to, you don't have to be one or the other necessarily, but, but you should focus on one and chase after one. And, and because of Jesus, this is the one we should focus on. It's this connection to God that this is all moving to something. Now, this is not just about the announcement of God. This is actually the language that we see Jesus himself speak. In John chapter 15, and you should read the whole chapter, but we don't have time for today. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's about to leave the earth. He's about to be crucified. And, and so he's teaching them, and he says this amazing line. He says this, I have told you this. Now, what does he say? You got to go read John chapter 15. But what he's told them is that because of who he is and because of what he's done, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It's like this big idea here that through Jesus, we can find joy and that our joy could be made complete in him. And we can find this joy in life because of him. Now, another idea that kind of comes when we talk about joy that we see in the scriptures is this, is that joy can transcend our circumstances and emotions. It's this idea that it can transcend what we're going through in the moment. In Psalm 30, the psalmist says this, You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Now, this is an interesting line. So sackcloth is something that in the Old Testament, um, and even Orthodox Jews to some degree still do this, um, when they're in a season of mourning or heartache or hard things going on, they'll literally take the clothes off that they're wearing and they'll put on like the sackcloth. And, and, and what would happen in their culture is you could tell who's going through a hard time because you would physically just see what they're wearing and realize that they're going through this season of mourning and that. Now, the best way that we probably relate to that is, have you ever had a season of your life where something's happened and you are not getting out of sweatpants, right? And there's nothing you can do. I'm wearing sweatpants all day, every day, everywhere I go. Um, that, okay, so you're in this season and you're like, I just don't feel, okay, so you don't worry about it. And so the language here is that through God and through what God is able to do in the psalmist's life and for us is that there's literally a transformation, that literally the sackcloth is being removed and you're being clothed with something else. Because here's what else I know. That when you go through those hard times and all you're going to do is wear sweatpants or scrubs and you're not getting out of them, uh, there comes a time where it all changes and you take a shower and you put on some clothes and you leave the house and you feel good, don't you? And so he says, you've done this. And then my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, I praise you forever. It literally, there's like this transformation of removing these things from our life. And then, listen, it's one thing to take something off or take something out of someone's life. It's another thing to replace it with something. And that's what he's saying is that, that through God, we're able to do that. And, and so um, it transcends your emotions. So whatever particular things have come, whatever particular emotions you may be feeling in these moments, Whatever it is, there's this new mindset and the way to think about things and a way for God to come into your life and to transform things. 
There's this great theologian, his name is Cornel West. He was with Princeton for years. He just left there um, this past year. And, and years ago, he was interviewed by Rolling Stone. And, and they asked him because there was a whole lot of stuff going on, and there still is culturally. And Cornel West is an, is an African-American uh, professor at Princeton University, so he's had a lot of turmoil and struggles himself. But they asked him, they, they said, um, are you optimistic about the future? And Cornel West's response to this was, the degrees of optimism and pessimism don't exist for me. I am a prisoner of hope. I am going to die full of hope. And I love this response. The categories of optimism and pessimism don't exist for me. That he has changed the way he views things. He has been clothed in a different way. Happy or sad, whatever it is, those don't apply anymore because I see things in a new light. This is what the psalmist is saying that God can do for us, that it permeates throughout your life and changes the whole way you see everything. Now, here's the pushback, and there's always a pushback, and some of you are already saying that. Like, joy is nice. You know what? I probably shouldn't be such a pessimist. I probably should be more optimistic. I probably shouldn't be a jerk all the time. Okay, whatever. All right, but here's the problem. When it comes to joy, um, you don't know the suffering that I faced. That's always everybody's pushback, right? I can't be happy. I can't be joyful. I can't be positive because of all these things that have happened to me. Okay. Or you might say things like this, like, how do you have joy in the face of the suffering we see in the world? Right. And so there's a few of us out there that pay attention to everything going on, not just in our country, but the rest of the world. And there's a lot of heartache and there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of suffering in the world around us. Or how do you face, have joy in the face of abuse? I mean, some of us, that's been a part of our life, verbal, physical, or betrayal, right? You ever had somebody close to you betray you or a group of people that were supposed to be on your side that they just turn tail and run or trash you or do whatever? So joy is a nice concept for people who've had a really easy kind of life, but the idea of being a joyful person is almost impossible for me because we don't understand what you're going through, and that's true. But there's this interesting writing in 1 Thessalonians. And Paul is writing to these early Christians in Thessalonica. And Paul is this guy that you may be familiar with some of his writings, but he's this missionary that kind of starts this movement, especially with Gentiles. And we should all be grateful for Paul, because if you consider yourself a Christian, he's the one that said we should go to the Gentiles, which is almost all of us, I would probably say all of us in this room. And so he's writing to these early Christians who are really struggling and having a cultural identity and all of these issues. Um, and what he writes, and you got to understand that Paul had a hard life. Paul had, had what most of us might consider a good life and an easy life. And then because of what happens with Jesus in his life, it kind of flips and he actually ends up having a hard life. And because of this good news that these angels brought all these years ago to these shepherd boys, um, everything changes for Paul and it gets really hard. But listen to what he says to these Christians in Thessalonica. He says this, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Now, what's amazing about scriptures is that um, sometimes when we read the scriptures, we have to be aware of the fact that there, this is being written to a specific group of people and a specific audience. And, and this letter is being written to the ones at Thessalonica, these early Christians. But what he's going to say is kind of also written in kind of an encouraging message for all of us, even those of us 2,000 years later. He says, because our gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, okay, 
came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And hear this. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Now, this line is really important because here's what we have to understand about what's going on. It was incredibly difficult to be a Christian in Thessalonica. It was incredibly difficult to be Paul and to be these early Christians. Life was hard. They're being persecuted by Rome. They're being persecuted by the Jewish people who think that they have messed up their faith. And so there's all of this persecution. There's poverty. There's all of these things that they're facing. And on top of that, here's what you understand, is for them and for Paul, this isn't just about words that we say. Okay, so let me say, explain this. It would be really easy for me to come up here and say, I'm a joyful person, live with joy now, right? But the moment you look at the way I live and the way I speak to people when things don't go my way or the way I run or turn people off or kind of push people aside sometimes, like you might be like, ah, maybe not so much, right? And so what they're saying is this, is this is not just about words. This is about the way that we live our lives. We've been clothed with something different. And then it says this, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given. Isn't that like a weird sentence? Like in the midst of suffering, you also have joy. Because see, most of us, we would say those things can't work together. And maybe that's part of what Paul is trying to tell us and what the psalmist is trying to tell us and Jesus is trying to tell us is that sometimes joy has to transcend your circumstance. Whether you're going to be a happy person, a joyful person, a person filled with hope, has to transcend sometimes the emotional state that you're in in that moment. And so you can be suffering and also have hope at the same time. You can be going through a tough time and joy can still be fully present in your life. Now, I say that, and some of you are like, I just don't know if that's true. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever gone to see somebody who's really going through a hard time, and you go to them trying to comfort them, and they end up comforting you? You ever been there? You ever gone to like a funeral home visitation service, okay? And you go, and you walk in, and all of a sudden, this grief and this sadness fills you, and the person who actually lost a loved one is the one that ends up hugging you and telling you it's going to be okay. You ever, you ever been through there? It's like there's these moments where there's sometimes these hard things that happen, and yet we meet people who seem to have this like calm. It's like this state of mind, as we said earlier, that it's going to be okay even when it's not. See, some of you could come up here way better and say it way better than I ever could because you've lived it where your joy in life, your hope in life, transcended the circumstance you had to go through. So maybe that's the first thing we need to learn about joy. Maybe the second thing we need to learn about joy is this, is that joy is a gift that we receive and that we can ask for it. So in Psalm chapter 51, verse 8, the psalmist says this. And it kind of like demands it if you read the whole chapter. It's not really much of a prayer as much of a demand. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Again, an odd sentence. My bones are crushed, but let me rejoice, okay? Let me ask you this. Have you ever actually asked God for joy? Like, like you had that honest conversation that like apparently my heart is supposed to be leaping, but it's not right now. And, and maybe I need that 
perhaps central to the kind of life God desires for us is that we have to ask for it. We often expect things just to happen, but maybe it's something we need to be seeking. Maybe it's be something that we are intentional about trying to find. The psalmist goes on to, to say this, and this is this unbelievable thing. This is this gift idea, is this, and it's not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. In Psalm chapter 65, the psalmist says this, the whole earth is filled with all at your wonders. And, and that is true. Like, we often forget how awesome the earth is, Right? Okay, you, you, in, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but you need to get out of Shepherdsville every once in a while. Um, and there is even here, there's some amazing things. We got Bernheim, we got all kinds of stuff, right? But, but the earth is amazing. He goes on to say, where morning dawns, when evening fades, you call forth songs of joy, you care for the land and water, you enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, so you've ordained it. You drench its furrows, you level its ridges, you crown the year with the bounty, your carts overflow with abundance. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain, and they shout for joy all the day. See, what I think the writer is trying to tell us is that Joy is actually something that's built into the very fabric of creation. Joy is something very present all around us. And the reason that so many of us struggle with joy and finding joy in life and in the day is this, is because, see, what you look for in this world, you will find. And what happens is, for most of us, when we wake up in the morning, rather than walk outside and listen to the birds and see the deer running through our backyard and seeing the hummingbirds and all that stuff, we get on Facebook. <laughs> Nothing good ever happens when you get on Facebook, right? Or we get on Twitter, we get on the news app on our iPhones. I don't know what Android has because it's stupid, but you, you get on these things. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of. And <laughs> the reality is you can focus on the bad. If I want to put myself in a bad mood, I know what to look for. If I want to see the ugly in the world, I know what to look for. What you look for, you will find. But at the same time, we have to be honest and realize there's also a lot of beauty and love and creativity, and there's people doing amazing things all of the time, maybe even in your own neighborhood. And you can find people that are pessimistic. We're out there, I promise. But there's also joy to be found. And maybe the larger issue about joy, though, because it's a gift, is our lack of awareness. Apparently, see, we have to be, have eyes that can see it. And maybe the reason we struggle with joy is because it's not what we're looking for, and it's a lack of awareness that God is working all around us and with us, and that we've been given this gift. I mean, that's literally what the word is. The Greek language, the word joy here is the word kairo, which literally means gift. It's the idea that being aware that everything you've been given is a gift. And it's this awareness of all of the gifts that you get in life. This week, I, I, uh, I just said it, it was a rough week, and I wanted to throw myself a pity party and rant about all the things that didn't work out and all that. You, you ever been there, right? All, a lot of the time for most of us. But um, the bad part about what I do, and maybe for some of you, is this, is that I know what I should do, but I often don't take my own advice. You ever do that? Okay, I, I know what to tell you you should do, but when it comes to me. So a few years ago, I was meeting with a guy who was having a rough time, uh, choices he had made, things that had happened to him. 
And we're talking, and we just keep going round and round and round, you know, and I'm just sitting there going, mm-hmm, yeah, okay, you know, have you thought about this? Have you, have you done this? Have you, you know, thought about this? And it's just a tough place, and I can start to sense that we're not going to move past this. Like, this thing that happened is just going to be the talking point, and it's okay to vent and all that, but, but eventually we get to this part where, you know, it's almost like he's just given up, because this thing happened he doesn't see tomorrow. And so I'd, I'd, I don't even know where this came from, but it just hit me. And I said, well, you've got, you've got two kids, right? He's like, yeah, I got two kids. And I said, are they healthy? Yeah, they're healthy. Do you love them? Yeah. Do they love you? Yeah. And all of a sudden, he just starts back into this rant about this terrible thing that happened. And I was like, no, no, okay. All right, but you've got those kids, right? Yeah. Are they healthy? Yeah. Are they happy? Yeah. Do you love them? Yeah. Do they love you? Okay. Well, let's start there. And let's see if we can build on that. Because the reality is, there's so much that we've been given, we're just often not aware of it. And part of that is because we take the gifts for granted. I mean, think about all of the gifts that you've been given. All of the things that have been offered to you. I mean, there's so much. It's almost overwhelming. It almost gets to the point where when you start to list all of the things that you've been given, you almost start to seem like a jerk that you're even upset that something didn't go right, right? Like this last year has been really tough on everybody, and it's been hard. And, and, and you know, but, but there's like these everyday moments. And, and so what I want to do is I just want to show you some photos. Now, these are all like just photos that just happened. Like we weren't seeking these type of things, okay? But like, you know, the cool thing about kids um, is the ki- kids, the world hasn't worn them down yet, right? And so parents, stop wearing your kids down, all right? Let them be kids. And so here are some moments from just this last year. Uh, those are my kids. That's Elliot and Paxton. We're at the lake, and they got to have Coca-Cola, that morning, and they were excited, right? Because they got to have Coke, okay? Um, this is my wife and my kids, and it was just a nice day. And we just went for, uh, we were up in uh, Indiana and went for a hike, and it was just a beautiful day, and it was just a day of happiness. My daughter, Paxton, is in Bardstown, and the, the lights were perfect, and she's like, Can you take my photo? And I was like, Yeah, right? It's joyful. This is my son, Elliot, with a snake, and uh, we, were, we were just at the lake, and they had this. This, this is a funny story, too. This kid over here, that's, he's like the snake handler. Um, when we walked in and asked to hold the snake, like he was shocked, like nobody had ever asked to hold the snake before. And he gave us this presentation, and he was nervous the whole time. But the, this, Elliot loved it. He was just a moment of joy. I mean, he's so excited. And then uh, when you find a pretzel bigger than your whole body, yeah, it's, it's a good day for you, right? It's just, it's just some joy. My daughter has been asking to go to Waffle House for six years, and my wife is would not go. And so one day we just went to Waffle House and uh, the kids, it was like the greatest day of their life that they got to go to a Waffle House. And they were so filled with joy, right? Watching fireworks at the beach just at night, just enjoying the moment. Walking in Bernheim and seeing a field of flowers. It's a joyful day. My son caught a shark. It's the smallest shark that's ever been caught in, in the history of sharks. But he caught a shark. He was so happy, so joyful. And then this is for some of you guys, when you perfectly cook a brisket, you just, you're just joyful about it. See, here's what's crazy is all of those moments took place last year. 
when the world was crazy and everything was upside down, but you can find moments of joy and you just, you just embrace them. Like you just say, okay, this is the gift. This is joyful. Yesterday we were in Glasgow, Kentucky. We were at the lake and uh, this lady, we went to this farmer's market and this lady was selling buttermilk pies and she told me it was the best buttermilk pie in Glasgow. And I don't know what that means, but it's delicious. And uh, so I bought one and I thought that I would share one with someone today. Does anybody like a piece of pie? Anybody? You are way far in the back. You're going to have to come up here, Nikki Routon. All right. All right, you come up here and get a piece of pie. All right, here we go. I gave you a little piece, but you could have a bigger piece later. And it's on a fancy plate. Yeah, you could have. You could have yeah. Yeah, anybody? I mean, so, so what's amazing is I've been trying to watch what I eat, and buttermilk pie is not good for you at all. Um, I think it's just sugar and heavy cream, and it's amazing. But I was like, you know what? I just want to eat a pie today. And so um, it's really good, and it's my sermon, so I can do what I want. (laughs) And it's so good. And if you want a piece later, you should. And who said you can't have pie in church? Maybe we'll have pies next week. But what it was was there was like this moment, and I saw this pie, and I was like, I'm just going for it. I'm getting it, and I'm going to eat it in church, right? Like, for example, has anybody had, like, just a really, really bad week, like a rough week? Anybody? It's okay to show your hands. All right, here you go. So what you should do is you should go get ice cream after church. All right, so there you go. Thank you. So the reality is there are moments of joy all around us. The question is, are you aware of them? It's like this connection between all that we've been given, all that we have, all of the gifts, and then on top of that, we get the good news of great joy that is Jesus. And so like, it's this awareness of everything going on. Now, there's this interesting thing that happens in the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah. And, and so what happens is the, the people of God, the Israelites, they've been conquered by everybody. They've been conquered by Egypt. They've been conquered by Babylon. They've been conquered by Persia. They've been conquered by Syria. And eventually they'll be conquered by Rome. And it's like everything in their lives just keep falling apart. And nothing seems to be working out. Over and over and over again, it's like this tragedy over and over. Ever felt like that? And there's this moment in Nehemiah chapter 8, it's this amazing moment where they find the scriptures. And they don't find like, I shouldn't say this in church, they don't find like the good scriptures. They found the book of Leviticus. If you've ever read the book of Leviticus, you shouldn't. And uh, You should. It's just really hard to get through. And it's it's not even that exciting, but, but here's what's happened is This long period has passed where they haven't had the scriptures. They haven't had their identity. Everything's been chosen for them. They felt defeated. And they find these scriptures. And Ezra and Nehemiah and the priests, they get up and they start to read the scriptures. And it's this moment where all of a sudden they're able to connect to God. They're able to connect to what he said to them. And and there's like this moment where... It feels like it's going to be okay, even if it's not. And the scripture says that, like, everybody just starts crying. Like, they just start weeping 
Because all of a sudden, the place where they find their joy and their strength, they're able to reconnect to. And the scriptures say that Nehemiah stops everybody and he says, no, no, don't, don't weep. And this is what he says. This is amazing. He says, go and enjoy some good food and sweet drinks. Now, some translations translate that strong drinks, but you can use that for your own interpretation, all right? Go enjoy some good food and drinks. And if you know somebody that doesn't have any, take some to them. Because today is a holy day. It's not a sad day because the joy of the Lord is with you. And it, like, it's an interesting moment because, see, I was raised in church believing that everything that was sacred had to be somber. And it's like this moment where they're like, okay, no, you are connected to God and life is a gift and you're coming out of this season. This is a moment of joy and you should celebrate it and you should go and eat some food and have pie in church and go get ice cream. Do whatever you want. This idea of connecting to joy should be a time of celebrating and laughing and having a good time. That this day is sacred, but it's also a day of joy. And you have a choice every day as the type of person that you're becoming. And so you can choose to see all of the negative and all of the bad things, or you can choose to connect to your source of strength, which is God. You can choose to open up your eyes and to look at the world around you and see that wonder and all that's around you. You can see all of the gifts that have been given to you every day, every breath is a gift. But I think the real secret is, is this. The reason we're afraid and the reason that fear has so much power in our life is because fear is always about the unknown, isn't it? And so we're afraid because we don't know what's going to happen. But joy comes in the known. And according to an angel who spoke to some scared shepherd boys, the known is that Jesus has come, that he is coming, and he will continue to come into our lives, that he's present. He's not somewhere else. Jesus wants to come into your heart, into your lives, into your home. I think we have to reclaim the message of joy. And because there's joy in this place, fear has no place anymore. <clears throat> Good news of great joy that every day is a gift. It's the awareness of that gift and the awareness of God's place in this world, in our lives. And if we hold on to that, I think we can become a people who have joy. Let's pray.